0: Yes, I knew, Sister White. We will not fear.
1: The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely.
0: I'll never forget it. This week I'm talking with Bryant Rodriguez who started out studying theology at Southern Adventist University and is now the digital and social media strategist for McKee Foods, the maker of Little Debbie Snacks. Brian, it's great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up.
1: So my name is Brian Rodriguez, uh, full name Brian Fernando Rodriguez. I am from Minnesota, but I always joke that I really am from Mexico and Minnesota, which is a fun joke to make because it juxtaposes an entire country with a state. The I was born in Dallas, Texas. My parents met there in Garland, Hispanic. They were not Adventists, and they got together there and had me and then promptly moved back to Mexico. But around age seven, I moved to Minnesota. So that's what I claim because that's really where I grew up. I so- am... Let me jump
0: in there, yeah, if you don't mind. It. Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting kind of identity. Um, I've visited both uh, the country and the state, and I'm wondering just um, briefly, what about those two things do you think helps define who you are?
1: Uh, that's a great question, Alex. So obviously, even though I am a U.S. citizen, I do have a very immigrant experience because I was less than a year old when we moved back to Mexico. So when I came to the United States, I had to learn English. I had to acclimate to American culture. Uh, My parents had to work very hard. My parents never got degrees, whether it was here in the U.S. or Mexico. But they, you know, had a comfort with the social world of Mexico that they didn't have here in Minnesota. So, you know, just having that kind of uprootedness and that sense of Uh, do I really belong? And how can I connect? And how can I understand this culture that is now mine, but also doesn't feel mine? That's very definitive. And I think as we proceed through this interview, you'll see that to some degree, it's still like the thing that motivates me, the engine that keeps me humming. Uh, As far as Minnesota is concerned, you know, I really just want to be from LA. So I feel like I do my (laughs) best to make my cadence and my, and my presence as California as possible. But the reality is that, you know, there's a lot of Midwestern nice in me. Uh, I am, you know, I've got that passive aggressiveness kind of built into (laughs) me. I definitely say the word "ope." Um, I grew up in Minneapolis, so I don't have the heavy Minnesota, uh, personality that some of my friends have who um, were from outside the city. So I grew up in Minneapolis, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ethnicity, there's a lot of diversity. Sure. So yeah. in terms of like who I was, like, I never felt like I grew up in a very white state, um, or in a white culture. Uh, but the reality is the Minnesota might be if you kind of leave the, the, the city. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition where like, I'm an immigrant in terms of like experience, in terms of life. I'm a U.S. citizen in terms of where have I lived the most. I'm an American. Uh, Do I have relationship to like you know super Anglo culture? Not really. I grew up in a minority church. I grew up going to a church that spoke Spanish. I Mm -hmm. grew up with a lot of diverse friends, so it's been a lot of kind of transition and kind of coming to or learning or rediscovering the United States of America and what it is and what it's like that I feel like shapes me who I shapes, who I am today that I think would be, would would would, ha, would have some merit to, yeah, to the way I operate. So, um,
0: I, I mean, this is fascinating because you are the digital and social media strategist for McKee foods, um, you know, kind of, heartland America, Southern history is associated with this corporation. And I'm curious what it's like navigating that kind of corporate identity with the incredible experiences that you bring to it.
1: It's a great question, Alex. So the, yeah, absolutely. Little Debbie snack cakes, they are super American. Uh, and, it's really interesting to me to be in that space because it's not what I grew up with. I didn't know that Little Debbie snack cakes existed until I was probably in my mid-teens, and I don't think I made the connection that there was a that there was an association with my denomination until I came down to Southern Adventist University for school. So very distant from the familiar. I was not very. So I was very, I was not very familiar with the brand at all. I grew up with sure. Bimbo. I grew up with Mariniella. I grew up with different kinds of snack cakes. So from like a consumer perspective, it's foreign from a personal, like corporate identity perspective. It's not so foreign because the work that I'm doing is social media strategy. And my day to day comes to a lot of content creation. It comes down to a lot of community management. I'm the one millennial in the corporate setting that is allowed to look at his phone most of the day in a company that only allowed phones to be out of your pocket as of like four years ago I think wow. so in terms of like how I actually operate in the corporate setting it almost feels natural even though I'm working with a brand that I don't have history with because I'm still out of place to some degree. I'm still the odd one out. And, uh, and that sense of oddness is, is definitely something that has rang true all my life. Um, and then obviously, I just have to I, I get to try a lot of things and, and enjoy them for the first time. and I'm like, oh, this is really good. I want to talk about them to other people. And it's really cool seeing how important this brand is to so many people. Uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming, actually. So
0: there are so many uh, directions I want to go with this. But first, I just have to ask you, like, what's your favorite you know, Little Debbie snack?
1: Great question, man. So the turtle brownies are by far the most delicious thing that we have. It's a new product that was launched two years ago. And for those of you who are familiar with a lot of the old-time classics, I definitely recommend that you give it a try because it's delicious. Um, beyond that, I really love the Nutty Buddy. And I love the uh, donut sticks, and any of our mini donuts are going to rank highly for me as well.
0: Okay. And then I have to, you know, I want to kind of get the history of how you went from studying theology at Southern to working uh, where you work. But before we do that, I, the other association at Little Debbie for me growing up is I, you know, I'd be, you know, in, I don't know, Sabbath school or something, and people would be talking about health food, and then they'd make a joke about Little Debbie's, like, we're Adventists, we always talk about health food. And then, you know, there's lots of Adventists who work for Little Debbie. And it's such a, you know, let's, let's say it's not like the healthiest thing in the world. So how, how do what what kind of perspective do you have on that? Uh,
1: That's a great question, Alex. So the perspective that I have on it is one that I don't know how philosophical you want to get but (laughs) the reality is that we live in a consumer economy so it doesn't matter what commodity or good you work for uh there's going to be people abusing it or people being exploited by its production Um, so you could work in retail and you're not contributing to people's potentially indulging behavior. But, you know, you're part of a larger enterprise that perhaps doesn't communicate the best body image or body positivity, and perhaps is producing and manufacturing in ways that are harmful to environment and to people. So, you know, that's just one example, we could go anywhere, really, with that discussion. And, The reality is that there's going to be either exploitation or overindulgence in any business sector, in my opinion. So there's that aspect that I think needs to be centered whenever we have these conversations about uh, McKee Foods Corporation, because they do produce baked sweet goods, which, yeah, they're high in sugar content. But again, there's overindulgence in many areas of American life things that are even not, you know, harmful in a direct manner. So there's that element. The other element too is, again, working within the corporate setting, I can see the way in which as an employer, it does its best to maintain integrity and to uphold um, a certain level of ethical treatment for employees and for its marketing and its advertising and uh, you know, I'm not. I don't have free reign when it comes to some of the topics that other uh, CPG, as we say in the industry, consumer packaged goods uh, companies have when they speak to their products. Right? Like we are, we are, we are not to double down on the sense of um, indulgence or highly consumable or the way that you know you can get. You know, you, like, you just need sugar, right? Sometimes. So you just sure. get really caught up in it. Like that kind of language is intentionally not discussed in our ma- marketing and advertising because we, we don't want to reinforce or double down that kind of behavior. Um, as an employer, McKee Foods Corporation is outstanding. Um, as how many, how is, many
0: employees do you have there,
1: roughly? Uh, yeah, it's over 3,000 employees. Wow. Um, so it's a huge employer. Um, it does its best to treat its employees with, with integrity and dignity. Um, as a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, uh, family, they give their employees a day off every week. This is something that I think isn't clarified enough. Uh, they have, they shut down baking, they shut down everything for a whole day. Um, so everyone gets a day off, whether you're a plant worker who does a menial job or, you know, you're the VP, like there's a level of everyone gets a day off, everything gets shut off. And I don't know, I think to me, like, having a Seventh-day identity of my own, like, I think that's really cool. I can't imagine any other company growing to scale and to the scale that they've grown and having a day off where, like, they shut down everything. Um, yeah. I know no other company does it, you know. And so, there's, a, there's, I think there's a larger discussion. Obviously, like, there's no direct answer to it. Like, is it ironic? Yeah. Is it weird? Probably. Um, but... Ultimately, I don't think it's really my place to defend any consumer packaged good in the American marketplace because overindulgence and consumption and exploitation is just kind of the reality of the world we live in.
0: Well, let's talk about, since you brought up philosophical, let's um, dig into your own philosophical journey. I don't mean that um, too deep here. I'm just talking about the fact that your degree is in theology, right? You studied that at Southern. How did you go from that to... Where you are.
1: So when I came to Southern Adventist University, I came because I was attracted to the theology department, and I was attracted to the art department. In 2013, when I started school, I was interested in doing a double major with film and with theology. Uh, It turns out that those are the two of the most robust degrees in terms of their requirements at Southern Adventist University. And it was going to require probably six years of schooling, which I didn't think was going to warrant any additional merits that a degree or diploma would give me. So I ended up committing to a theology degree to get through school in four years. I did my best to fill my calendar with film courses where I could. And so I did a lot of work in the creative field and in video marketing. Um, I happened to be in the right place at the right time in terms of like what people wanted, because I think that was the year that every department at every university ever decided they wanted a video guy. So there was (laughs) a lot of opportunity to get involved in the creation of video content. And I was able to get a good job with Campus Ministries, where I was still kind of utilizing the two in one in in the similar direction, which then led to an internship at McKee Foods Corporation. uh, Because of my skill sets in the media world, the job fit in that first internship in the in the communications department didn't wasn't the best but i did meet my current manager who is incredible and he works in marketing and advertising and he saw something in me so he asked me to transition up to the advertising world and i really clicked and i was able to leverage my writing skills and my um content creation skills uh, it, during my internship, to to a lot of notoriety, <laughs> um, and uh, and and was able to get a job full time there at Mickey Foods. So it, it's really unexpected, um, and it's not necessarily a complete demarcation from working in ministry. I do ministry still, but uh, it does help pay the bills.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that notoriety. Um, what uh, how did you get? Like, what? Tell us a little bit about those early days and and what really um, broke through for you in um, in working with Little Debbie.
1: My manager had this vision of handing the reins off to uh, me and my coworker, who was also an intern in the social in, with their social media channels that Little Debbie owns. And it's funny because. I think in like the mid, like in like 2010, 2011, like it was a good joke in the social media world that an intern was running the account for large corporations. Yeah. Now that's not a joke that holds much water because most companies are going to have a f- someone who's full time or even teams. I know Verizon has an entire in-house agency that manages their social and digital media but it's funny because the joke kind of bears out for the way that I entered into this world. I was an intern, and I was given the keys to the content creation to the Little Debbie social media account. And I think I was just—I think the naivety in in my in my life helped me to some degree because, again, I am not a, a thoroughbred American. I, I have a bit of an immigrant experience, so I don't think it—I don't think it was clear in my mind how big of a brand Little Debbie is. And so I had this social media account. I'm like, cool, let's make some cool content. There's an internet game called One Gotta Go that Mm -hmm. I jumped into in uh, November of 2017 with the Little Debbie account. This was new because oftentimes brands will not pit their own products against one another. But I had realized that A lot of people like to debate and discuss what their favorite little Debbie treat is. And, you know, so I wanted to jump into that. And with the game one, got to go, you pick four of a type and then you ask people, which one would you get rid of forever? And so we created a graphic for Twitter. Um, I believe it was oatmeal cream pie, Nutty Buddy, uh, the Christmas tree cakes and the Swiss rolls, I think. And we tweeted it out to the world and said, "One gotta go forever." And I was not I, I figured it would be a popular tweet, but I was just not prepared for the scale at, at which it generated discussion. Not only was it reported as news later that evening, but it was it was taken up and syndicated by one of some of these regional news companies around the internet. And so the next two days, it was like every regional news agency in the United States was reporting it as if we were actually going to get rid of, of, of a cherished Little Debbie treat. There were digital news publications that jumped in and played the game on Facebook live or Twitter live and had played out the game, discussing and debating. There were people who had never tried Little Debbie treats, and so they were invited to try it. Um, it The noise was so high that I was told – I'm not sure because no one told me directly, but I was told that there was a number of employees in the bakery that approached their superintendents and said, hey, we saw the news. Which, pl- which line are you planning to shut down so that we can start looking for new work? So, <laughs> so I just got to stop you there
0: because this could seem like – Chaos And usually corporations are really afraid of chaos. They don't like people asking questions. They don't like them feeling misinformed. So there's that. But why was this a success?
1: Yeah, man. So it was chaos. In in my mind, it was super fun. But I know for my manager who had to go to meetings with stakeholders uh, who were confused about the chaos (laughs) – I know it was a difficult time, a fun time, but a difficult time for him. It's funny because our company ethos is one that, to some degree, I really appreciate. It's one that doesn't toot its own horn. So it it's good because it doesn't publicize every single great deed it does for the, for the world in a performative manner. But it's also sometimes uh, an obstacle when you have a situation like this where you're generating a lot of buzz, but no one is equipped to handle all the buzz because it's not something that we do on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely chaos and it was definitely confusing, but it was a success because the brand generated, I believe it was over 17 million impressions in the span of two days. And we had people talking about little Debbie treats and little, little Debbie snacks on the internet and on TV for the next few days. Um, and it, and it I mean you just you just didn't pay anyone anything for that. You know, yeah. companies will spend millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, if you're in the automotive industry, to advertise and to get lots of impressions. And here was someone that you were paying an internally way an intern hour <laughs> wage getting seventeen million impressions for your brand in a few days for free, you know, yeah. in terms of like the ad spend. So that's a huge success. And it's, it's a, it was, it was awesome. It was a real adventure. And every time I think back on it, I'm always amused by how it played out because I don't know if I have the guts to, to, to draft out that content. (laughs) If I realized how, uh, massive the following is for little Debbie, but it was definitely fun. And I'm honestly, I I have it to, I have that moment to thank for when it comes to my full-time position today.
0: So, um, that's an incredible story and is just sort of a classic in a way, American corporate story where all these organizations have tried to navigate what social media, um, can do or, um, undo for their, uh, reputation. Um, what's your day to day like now? You're not um, getting 17 million impressions every day. I'm assuming. So, what kind of drives you? Uh, what are your what, what are your kind of I don't know quarterly goals or daily goals or weekly
1: goals? I am responsible for the little Debbie social media channels, and so that's like ha-
0: Facebook, Twitter,
1: Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Yeah, those are the three primary channels. Um, we do some stuff on Pinterest, but uh, it's not. That active
0: mm-hmm.
1: in terms of what I do we have a disc we have we, uh, the, the, the way that we categorize it internally is we talk about content creation, community management and analytics um, and if it was a larger team, you know there would be multiple people perhaps or at least one person to each area um, at this point, McKee's foray into de- dedicated social media, teams in-house is in its early stages. And so I'm handling the role for all three aspects of the work. Content creation is going to have lots of strategy in it because there's a sense in which you have to be very online, as they say. Um, Just be very, very aware of what the cultural pulse is, what's trending, what's good, what's not. Um, And then also what fits your brand voice. Because something may be very popular, something may be, some, may, may be a meme that every other brand is jumping into, but does it align with your brand voice? Is it something that will, you know, advance your interests on the internet? Or like you said, will it hamper or damage uh, your brand reputation? So there's that aspect of it. There's the community management aspect of it, which is making sure that any messages that are being sent in directly to our social media feeds are being taken care of and directed to the right people. Uh, There's a lot of uh, common interaction as well. Um, I can't keep up with everything because there's there's thousands of impressions and, and community and engagement moments that happen every day. But trying to trying to keep level with it in the very least. And then there's the analytics and reporting aspect of it, inter- keeping oh, keeping tabs on how our numbers are doing, uh, whether we're even in terms of our performance month over month or whether there's a drop and why or an improvement and why. And then the other element too that has been added over the last six months has been what people in the industry refer to as paid social. And this refers to... um. Facebook and Instagram primarily for us Digital ads or social media ads it's the ads that you see when you're loading yeah. your Instagram page or loading your Facebook profile uh, for those of you who still have Facebook and use it um, that's something that we're also utilizing it because we've had um, we've, we've been empowered to do it more regularly sure. so it's a, it's, a, it's a wide array of responsibilities uh, but it keeps it interesting it keeps it fresh.
0: So, um, really briefly, what is your, what, what is little Debbie's voice or, you know, if we can talk a little bit more broadly, um, what is the kind of brand identity, uh, that you, that you kind of have as parameters for when you're choosing to have fun with
1: a popular meme or, um, when you're writing something? For sure, our brand voice is caregiver. Every single brand that's doing social media well on the internet will have its own character and personality. Ours is brand our ours is caregiver. And so this means that we are sweet, we are helpful, we are caring. We are more of a big sister than a mom if that in case you're thinking which direction we skew. Um, Playful is for sure an aspect of it. And the way that we handle evaluation or checks and balances to maintain ourselves in line is that um, we create a style guide that provides content pillars, that provides clarity on tone, on language, uh, and this kind of keeps us within a... A, a defined area there's definitely room you know for different interpretations of it across those three social media platforms and i think that you would find it strongest on our twitter account because it lends itself to personification in a way that facebook and instagram doesn't but sure. yeah that's our that's our brand voice caregiver
0: that's really interesting. All right. So you mentioned that you still are involved with ministry. And do you mind just talking a little bit about what that means for you?
1: For sure. I'm involved in ministry in a myriad of ways because my brain is the kind of brain that needs a lot of stimulation and can't really do one only one thing at a time. So it, across the board, I am Lending my social media skills to the Seventh Adventist Church in a couple ways. I'm working with uh, the General Conference Ministerial Association and managing the Ministry in Motion and Ministry Magazine accounts that provide resources at the lay and scholarly well, not scholarly, but more like for pastors versus like sure. things that anyone can understand, uh, whether you're a pastor or not. I don't mean that in an intelligence level, I just mean that in an application level. Um, sure. I'm managing their social media accounts and then I am working on the content side of things with the haystack. My friend, Andrew Ashley is one of the executive producers for it. Sure. Um, so I do blogging. Um, I do copywriting. I run a, I contribute to a, a project that my other friend, uh, Mark and started called the haystack reports. Uh, we've done a number of different short documentaries that are, trying really hard to be like vice. Um, And um, I'm also working on a couple of other projects that are in the development stage there. My primary ministerial outlet at the moment, though, and the one that brings a lot of joy to my heart on the weekends, is, um, is a volunteer pastor position that I hold at Crosswalk Chattanooga. It is a church plant that is not yet even a year old. That has been started here in the Chattanooga area, and it's super fun there I work with facilities care um which means a lot of setup and tear down and cleanup, but it also means like taking a real responsibility for the way that people are handling the the facility and making making that you know a a, a real communal moment I, and then also I'm working with um with discipleship. And right now, the first point of order is to get small groups going, and we've had a very successful launch so far. So those are those are those are the two areas in which I contribute to the Crosswalk Chattanooga experience, and it's been super fun.
0: That's cool. Well, um, this will be kind of close to wrapping up here, um, but I'm just kind of curious since you are kind of thinking about the Adventist Church both at a local level, but also helping out at a um, kind of broader um, publishing level, what do you think that the kind of Adventist church in North America could, could learn from um, what, it, what works um, for other organizations um, engaging in uh, digital and social media? Like what, what, what are we kind of doing maybe, let's say, what needs to improve um, in, that, in that area?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So the things that need to improve are challenging to put in a succinct sentence because uh, an entity can spend lots of money to beautify its content, to establish a beautiful guide and a great brand voice and spend money to boost posts and get a tenth of the reach that the 19-year-old at Walla Walla with a meme account gets. Sure. And that is true for any organization. I have – last year, the, the the tweet that was associated with the highest impression count around Little Debbie was in mine. It was someone who um, did a parody tweet that couldn't even touch it because – it didn't it didn't align with with my brand voice, so there's you know like there's there's a real frustration there I think sometimes for those of us who are working representing large organizations um on the internet because you can do a lot and you can spend a lot and you can work really hard and sometimes your stuff gets no traction so mm-hmm. I would say that what I've learned being in the social media space professionally is the is that there's a real there's a real movement to moving away from mere statistics or measurement of likes and comments, retweets, or shares um, as your as your indicator of success because those can be bought and oftentimes they're not a good indicator of whether or not you're resonating with your audience. So I would say that you really just want to focus on building communities um, and it's something that is being done well, I think already organically, but could be taken seriously by other people who represent Adventist ministries or Adventist departments in our church. The utilization of Facebook groups, the utilization of uh, dedicated Instagram pages for community groups, um, these kinds of opportunities are not that difficult to employ. And honestly, they go farther because you're able to actually make connections, um, as opposed to having a Facebook page, then you need to update and, and continue to curate in a way that requires resources on a daily basis. Um, you're not—I don't think there's any Adventist organization outside of maybe Advent Health who can outspend um, the money that is being spent on Facebook and, and and other social media platforms to promote content. So, I would say that the first point of order would be for someone to say, okay, if I'm going to enter the social spaces to create an audience and to then take that audience to make it a community. So what would that community need to be? What is the community that I would best serve? And then we're doing your best to work towards that. If you Great. want to hire someone like me who has knowledge of what kind of content gets steam, Hey, that's, that's a good thing to do. I don't think you lose anything from that, but um, I think the, the the true purpose of any social media account that's going to be associated with our denomination would be to go from um, audience to community and then leading that community in whatever way it needs to be led.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciated talking with you
1: today. Yeah, man. Um, was there anything that was not answered in specific that you were curious about so- Oh.
0: No, no, I think you uh, nailed it, and um, I, th- I I love the detail of your answers, so I think people will really um, appreciate it. I can think of so many folks who are going to enjoy um, this interview, so thanks a lot. Sounds good, man. Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear. The
1: kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the moon. The poor and the me and the hungry and the lonely. Oh,
0: I'll never forget it.